You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome, welcome. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to answer your questions. We're here to just say hello, see you. I mean, you kind of have burning questions. Come on. So and it's free. The advice is free. You can call us at 877-385-8882. Once again, toll free 877-385-8882 or better yet, come online. Join us here live, PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Shows. Scroll to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there's a link left for you. And you click on the link, and you will join us here live with your pet, hopefully in your arms, unless it's really big, and then you could be in its arms. And um, uh, you can ask away whatever questions you want to ask. And as I said, there's anything burning. I know there's got to be problems. How do I know? Because I take calls on my, my telemedicine app, AirVet, and I'm getting calls all the time. So people are having issues. And I got to tell you something, something I've learned Many, many, many years ago, as a concierge doctor, meaning I'm the idiot that gave, still does, give my clients my cell phone. I was giving out my pager number before there were cell phones. And people were getting a hold of me whenever they needed to. And I've learned then, and it's the same. 80% of emergencies are not. 80%. That means if your hospital has that recording that sends you to an emergency after hours, you will be wasting your money 80% of the time your doctor will be losing money 80% of the time because he or she could have seen you the next day if they had taken a few minutes of their time to talk to you or refer you to someone on a, a telemedicine platform that will. So just an FYI. And clients love it because if you go to a, just to walk into an emergency clinic, it's going to cost you a couple of hundred bucks. So um, it is insane. And again, when you need them, when it's a real emergency, I love them. But when you don't need it and it's not an emergency and they don't, do just basic triage, but they start testing up and down everything. The young doctor who's working that crazy midnight shift is so nervous they're gonna not uh, they're gonna miss something. They are testing for everything. They're testing for all those esoteric diseases that are never gonna happen, and yet you're paying for it. So keep that in mind. And um, so let's talk. So as you know, I like to peruse the news. The American Animal Hospital. Association, the AVMA Smart, excuse me, the AHA, American Animal Health Association, Newstat, and the AVMA, the American Vet Med Association, Smart Brief, looking for what's out there for you. So just FYI, some information. Here we go. First of all, we talked about this before, brachycephalic breeds. What are brachycephalic breeds? Those are the short-faced breeds. So that's the pug and the Boston and the Frenchie and the English Bulldog and the Japanese Chin and the, some even Lhasas and Shih Tzus. Any of those dogs, Pekingese, oh, they're a good one. Any of those dogs that have these little pushed-in faces, or Persian cats for all that matter, are more prone to a number of things like corneal ulcers, respiratory disease, heart murmurs, umbilical hernias. And you might not ask, why, why eye ulcers? Very easy. When you dogs lead by touch more than sight, remember their vision is probably the worst of all their senses. Their sense of smell, oh my God, it's unbelievable. Their ears, they can hear everything, but they're worst sense of the big ones are their eyes, their eyesight. So what happens is if they're running through like a bush or something, a dog with a normal snout, they will pick something up first by touching their nose out here, which will give them time to react. 
and blink or move out of the way, whatever. But the pushed-in face dogs, when their nose is just about at the same level as their eyes, by the time it hits their nose, it's hit their eyes already. So that's why they seem to get more corneal ulcers, corneal abrasions, very typical. Um, respiratory problems, well, duh. And um, if, I mean, I do the surgery, the elongated soft palate surgery on French bulldogs all the time using laser. It's amazing. They do so well. But uh, something that uh, we know a lot that in these very small, so that's why they're breathing like... <laughs> And that's why also, one thing is not on this list, but I'm going to add it to the list, and that is heat stroke. They are more prone to heat stroke because they have such a tough time. And when that thick, fleshy throat of theirs gets inflamed, they can barely breathe. So very important to keep an eye on those dogs. That's why, by the way, a lot of airlines that have breed restrictions during the summer, during the hot months, they are, many of them are restricting the brachycephalic breeds because they know these dogs are at much greater risk. And um, it's not because they're dangerous. They're not. The Boston Terriers can be a little bitey. But typically, these dogs are great. Um, but just so you know that there is a potential danger. Leptospirosis. You ever hear about it? If you, the shot that, that typically veterinarians give called the DA2PP and some DA2PPL, distemper, adenovirus type 2, which is basically hepatitis, okay? Parinfluenza, right? You got that. Parvovirus, got that. And then the L, leptospirosis. I personally do not like to do the combo. If an animal is at risk for lepto, I like to give it by itself because it has all four of the serovers of lepto. So I like to, to give them the, the whole thing. But we're seeing more of it. Lepto is spread in the urine, some feces, but mostly urine of rodents and animals that are, like, that are urinating in streams up in the hills, in the mountains, wherever there's live water, running water. And what we're finding is because of COVID, this is very interesting. Because of COVID, rats, rats that used to hang out in the back of restaurants for all the goodies, well, guess what? Restaurants are closed, many of them. So what's happening, the rats are now foraging into your pet's garbages, and they're urinating, of course. So you might be seeing more rats in your neighborhoods, and they are urinating. And if they are shedding lepto, and your dog, which they typically do a lick of the urine, they can get leptospirosis. It is potentially serious. It's a bacterial infection. It is treatable. It can actually also affect us people. So vaccinating, even if you normally wouldn't, I would talk to your veterinarian about possibly now. I've always considered lepto not a core vaccine, but what we call a lifestyle vaccine. Depends on where you live, how common the disease is, what the potential risk for your dog is. If you're not hiking in the mountains, right, or up in remote trails, and there are no running water streams, then you're probably, your dog's not at risk. But if you do it on a regular basis, your dog is at risk and definitely should get the lepto vaccine. What this report is saying, maybe, maybe for now, well, if there's a risk and rats around the neighborhood, you might all want to get the uh, lepto vaccine. This was very interesting from a behavior standpoint. I really have always loved learning about animal behavior because for one, I've realized over the years, the more we know, the more we're learning, the more we appreciate how god darn smart these dogs are, how they adapt, how they, I mean, they can read our facial, and I've seen it, I 100% have seen it, read our facial expressions, they can, they know from our tone, they know from our eyes, they know, I mean, when, just look at your dog, stare them down for a second, and you'll see that, may, and look mad, look at that, give that stern look, guess what, they're going to look at you in the eye for just a very short time, then they're going to start looking away, they're, okay, what did I do, I must have done something, I don't know what it is, but I did something, so, um, that's uh, dogs for you. So dogs become less curious as they grow older, but 
dogs that are the most curious as puppies and the most active as puppies will be more curious and active as they grow up compared to other dogs of the same age that weren't so active or curious. So what that saying is, if you are going to look at some puppies and you have a puppy that's just all over the place and you say to yourself, you know what? I'm sure when he gets older, he'll mellow out. Don't be surprised if he doesn't mellow out because it, it's just his personality. Um, now, alertness, all right, and problem-solving abilities improve up to about six years of age. So they learn. They learn how to deal. Once they hit six, then it stabilizes. It doesn't really go down until they get really old and dementia sets in, but it starts to stabilize. Now, this is also interesting. Curiosity about new objects start to decline at about the age of three. So they're very curious at first, but then they start, it becomes second nature. It's like when they kind of tune you out after a while, you think is they, they've been there, done that. They know what your tone means. It's like, ah, to heck with him or to heck with her. So same thing with, it's a curiosity about something new as they're developing up to the age of three. They're really curious. They'll test, they'll look. After that, they kind of uh, mellow out a little bit. And this is so interesting. Their desire to socialize and their, get this, their tolerance of frustrating situations. That remains about the same throughout their lives. So that is a great quality. And, and we've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it in your dogs that something that's really frustrating, we get more frustrated than they do. They just, they, they take it in stride. That's, that's the way it is. They don't, it seems like they don't let it bother them. We should learn a lesson from our, our dogs that, you know, poop is going to happen. And when it does, it just gets us crazy. And with dogs, they say, all right, it, it happened. You know, I, I'll move on. No big deal. And socialization also, as we've seen in our dogs, I'm sure you've seen it. When you have a dog as a pup that loves people, is very socialized and just loves other animals, whatever that trait is, that's them. That is their personality. It, it doesn't wane. It's how they are. I mean, my lab, for example, is the exact same way, both as a watchdog, being cautious, being protective, but also being very social. And his MO is exactly the same. At first, very cautious. He wants to smell you. He wants to make sure you're okay. He wants to make sure you're not a threat. But once you've won him over, oh my God, he'll never forget you. You cannot see him for years. And he they exactly remember. So that's what we love about dogs so much. This is a good one also, because we've talked about this many a time. And that is that the American Vet Med Association Council on Education now has amended vet school standards that in order to attain and maintain accreditation, they require a vet dental program. So they know how important oral health is for the overall health of a pet. Many vet schools, right, have fallen short when it comes to a dentistry program. I mean, quite honestly, where I went to vet school, UC Davis, when I was at school a few years ago, like started 40 years ago, we were number one. And then we were number one for many, many years. And we lost number one actually to Cornell. And one of the reasons was we did not have a really good dental program. We needed a dental lab. We needed a rigorous dental program. Once that was established, and it was, we have a brand new dental lab up there. We are back to the number one spot in the country. So anyway, just no, dentistry is very important. I think it's great that the AVMA has done that. Now, this is good. And I think it was found, by the way, but by the time I, I saw this, a male ring-tailed lemur called Maki was... Uh, they suspected stolen from the San Francisco Zoo. Who want to steal a lemur? And this one was old. It was very. It was the oldest lemur they had. Needed special medication, and uh, obviously the staff was very concerned. Apparently, there was a mystery solved by an eight-year-old boy. I still have not found the details, but I will share them with you hopefully next week. This is also cool. A livestock vaccine company called Medgene Labs 
is working on developing a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine for pet cats, ferrets, and mink. All right. These are all susceptible species. They can all get the virus. We Now, cats, we have not re had reports of a cat dying from the SARS-CoV-2, but I'm going to share you with you a minute. Yes, it does and can affect mink, which is very bad. So they are working on a vaccine now, and none of these animals that have gotten it have been shown to be able to transmit the disease to people. However, in the case of the mink, which I'll get to in a minute, it shows that the people in this mink farm, actually three people had mild signs of COVID and they probably gave it to the mink. That's really bad. There was a black bear that was burned in the fires up in Northern California and was released after treatment. I love this. They're obviously pain meds, anti-inflammatories. And we report on this, oh, last year sometime, maybe two years ago, tilapia skin. They're making bandages out of tilapia skin from the tilapia fish because it has an ability to withstand moisture coming, obviously, from the outside in. It's a fish skin. It better withstand moisture or all these fish would be bloating up with the water. But it keeps the inside protected. So it, it turns out it's a great, great bandage for burns. And um, it's helped this bear. And now this bear is going to be released. So more on SARS-CoV-2 before we go on a break. And there was a cat that died in Alabama. We just said, well, cats don't usually get sick. It was tested positive, but the state lab feels that the coronavirus was not the cause. It had many other problems that are much more deadly. And uh, there was no evidence that companion animals can transmit the, the um, infection to um, cause severe illness in people. All right, but having said that, hundreds of mink at a fur farm. That'll teach these fur farms a lesson. Maybe you shouldn't be farming mink for clothing. Uh, anyway, three people at the farm had mild COVID-19 symptoms. And um, the mink and the ferrets can catch the virus from people and uh, several hundred die. So at least we know with mink that the SARS-CoV-2 virus can be cause serious illness, which is very sad. I mean, look, farming mink for clothing, killing them to make a mink stole or a mink coat, that's sad too. Maybe even sadder, but it's both pretty sad. So um, maybe we should cut back on mink farming. What do you think? And, uh, and that way we don't have to worry about these poor mink that are going to be killed anyway. I hate to be cold, but you know, you'd think from the mink farmer's mind, they're saying, well, look, we we're going to kill it anyway. So now as well, just now at least we have, we don't have to kill them to get their mink. So pretty disgusting if you ask me, but you know, there are a lot of great faux fur places out there. Uh, one of my clients from years ago, you could not tell the difference on his coats that were all faux, F-A-U-X, fake mink. And, uh, he had a hell of a business. So anyway, don't go away. We'll grab back after these short messages. When we come back, we're going to just talk about our pets, of course, here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We'll be right back. Looking for a dental treat that does more for your dog? Daily Dose is a two-in-one chew that pairs a daily dental scrub with powerful supplements to help with the biggest health concerns facing our dogs. Daily Dose was developed by vets to be simple to use and super effective. Plus, dogs love the taste. Available for joint, skin, heart health, or calming. Daily Dose, your pet's daily dose of awesome. Visit yourpetsdailydose.com to save $3 on your first bag with promo code PETLIFE. That's yourpetsdailydose.com. So now I've got this pack of four Sharpay Rescue dogs for, oh my goodness, 
probably five, six years. They get a regular diet of Dynavite with every meal. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. People remark on what beautiful coats they've got. I tell them, you don't need to wait until a problem presents itself. It's far better to keep the dog happy and healthy at all times. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Are you listening to this right now with a cell phone clenched between your teeth as you frantically flip pages on your paper calendars? Or are you a new breed of groomer, bred for speed and efficiency of movement? 123 Pet Software automates your communications, doing the reminding, confirming, thanking, and marketing for you. 123 Pet centralizes your schedule, employees, clients, inventory, and more. 123 Pet is the business management software you need. Start minding your business today. Visit 123petsoftware.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And, um, you know, I reported on the brachycephalic breeds early on, and, and we talked about their eye issues. And um, again, I wanted to mention that I do get, obviously, a lot of calls on the on the telemedicine platform and AirVet. And one of the things I always have to do is decipher between, is this a real emergency or not? Can it wait? What criteria could I use? And remember, I get to see the animal. Uh, when you're dealing with uh, you know, a lot of the telemedicine platforms, if it's just audio, it's really tough. I think it's pointless, actually. But seeing is believing. When you see an animal, you can learn a lot just by, I mean, I, I, I can have a dog that's vomiting, and it's vomiting every day, right? I mean, for some people, they go, oh, my God, that's, that, that's horrendous. But I look at the video, and I look at the dog, and the dog is bouncing off the walls, is happy, is running, is playing. I'm sorry, this is not a sick dog. So then I ask some questions. What's vomiting? When's it coming up? You find out the dog is vomiting by a phlegm in the middle of the night, not food. It can't wait for its next meal. So, ah, now we have a different problem. This is a, not an emergency problem. This is a very simple problem, hopefully, to resolve. And certainly some things you can try before rushing to the vet. Eyes, the same thing. Eyes, potentially, when there's an eye problem, depending, of course, on what it is. And a picture is worth a thousand words. Sometimes just seeing it makes a huge difference. So I do not like to mess around with eyes. In other words, if there's an eye problem, my first thought is maybe we can't wait. Maybe we should take a look. So I actually had a call this morning, a household with four cats and two of the cats, the females play a little rough. One of the females is tough and scratch the eye of one of the other ones. So of course, my thought is first thing I always ask, I need to see the eye. So they take the phone and they put it up against the eye and I can see that the eye looked actually pretty good. It was a very subtle blink, which is a classic sign of a scratch on the eyeball. What we call the sclera, the white part of the eye was a little bit injected. So I asked some basic questions. First of all, is the cat pawing at the eye, rubbing the eye? The answer is no. Does she, is it super tearing? No. Does the cat seem very uncomfortable? No. Ate breakfast. Everything else is good. So I said that, okay, this right now does not seem like an emergency. So I told him to gently rinse the eye off. She had a saline rinse. She works in an ER. So she did the saline rinse. And I said, watch very carefully. I asked her, since she works in an ER, if she can get a hold of an ophthalmic solution or ointment without steroids. Very important. Do not. If you have something in your, in your medicine cabinet at home that you had for your pet, 
a year ago, and it has cortisone in it, if you are suspecting a corneal scratch or an ulcer, you do not want to use anything with steroids. So you have to see your vet or see an emergency if the cat or dog is very uncomfortable rubbing at the eye. You got to get a lampshade collar. Sometimes the damage that they can do from the rubbing or scratching at the eye after the fact is worse than the original problem in the first place. So, and again, a lot of times you can't see this on the phone, so you may have to have it seen. And that's why I often recommend with eye injuries to have it looked at sooner than later. But sometimes if you look at the eye from the side, so you're just seeing the almost like what we call the lateral view, all right, of just the eye, the cornea itself, the outer cornea. Remember, the cornea is seven layers thick. It's got two tear film layers, which are offering a lot of protection, okay? And then you have your five tissue layers. The innermost layer is called decimates membrane. That's what we have to be. That's what, when we get, if you've ever heard or had a pet that had a dismetaseal, that's because it went all the way down to decimates membrane. That is very, very, very serious. That is immediate care because what does that mean? If decimates membrane breaks, the very last innermost layer, then you have a ruptured eyeball. And that is a very big problem. So that is a surgery often that is an ophthalmolo veterinary ophthalmologist, unless your veterinarian uh, does eye corneal surgery. I have done many flaps. Uh, you're bringing up some tissue from the sclera, covering the eye. Uh, you take conjunctiva and you cover up the eyeball. The defect, you have to be very careful sewing it and creating a flap or doing a 360 degree conjunctival flap. There are many things that can be done if you have the expertise and the skill and the experience. Otherwise, send, you have to have a, a veterinary ophthalmologist take a look at these. But those are the ones you have to act on quickly. So if you have an animal that has an eye problem, you must talk to somebody. Do not make the decision on your own. If you can talk to somebody who has video capability, obviously that's better. When it comes to eyes, when in doubt, go to emergency. Hopefully it'll be nothing, but it's just to be safe. Now, there is a problem that I get a lot and it is not an emergency at all, but oh my God, does it look pretty horrendous. And that is a prolapsed gland of the third eyelid, aka cherry eye. When a dog gets a cherry eye, it is scary looking. The gland inside the nictitans, which is the third eyelid, actually gets blows up. It's a lymphoid type tissue and very responsive to some sort of injury, to, to, to some reaction. It's very reactive tissue. And when it blows up, it everts, it pops out, and you see this big pink ball on the inside corner of the eye. That's why they call it cherry eye. It looks like a cherry in there. And guess what? It looks scary. It is not even remotely an emergency. That definitely could wait until the next day, see your vet, a uh, number of treatments. Uh, we sometimes we try to treat it medically, see if we're lucky to go away. Oftentimes it needs surgery. I am not an advocate of removing the gland of the third eyelid. So we do a procedure where we tuck it, a number of techniques where we tuck it, you want it there. It does provide additional tears. There have been cases where some dogs, it just will not hold or they produce so many tears by itself already that you know after like one or two failed attempts, sometimes we get the green light to actually remove the gland and these dogs typically do fine. But there are a lot of old timer practitioners out there that are still removing the gland. That's how I learned 37, 38 years, 39 years ago. And uh, now we obviously things change in medicine and we have a new, a better way, tuck the gland of the third eyelid. Bottom line is when it comes to eyes, be nervous. If you cannot talk to anybody and you have no access to a vet, especially a vet with video capabilities, 
and the recording at your own vet says, if you have an emergency, go to XYZ Animal Emergency, go when it comes to eyes. But if you have the luxury to talk to somebody, especially on video or probably only on video, you might learn as my case this morning that this the cat did not have to go in. The cat is very comfortable. If it is a scratch, it's very, very superficial and she is going to be able to go in tomorrow. However, I told her if things change throughout the day to give me a call back. So keep that in mind. All right. Anyway, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio. I want to hear what I would think like to do because so many of you have issues and I'm learning now from telemedicine. I get a lot of the same issues again and again. I'd like to hear your issues. I'd like to hear what concerns you about your pet and let me help you kind of sift through the information and give you some answers that would be very useful, very helpful, and hopefully can save you a lot of money. So uh, that's free advice. Take advantage of it. Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. Join me on Instagram at Dr. Jeff Werber. You can sign up to AirVet however you want to get a hold of me. But there's nothing better than advice, especially when it's free. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next week. Same bad time, same bad channel here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Have a great week. Hopefully, we'll hear from you soon. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dr. Jeff Werber. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.